Hello and welcome to Sophist Symposium. We're your hosts. I'm Doug Daffin. I'm Chris Bendeman. We've been gone a couple of weeks now. We we missed a couple Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, first was spring break, and I think Chris left early for that one. Yeah. So I'm going to attribute both Thursdays to spring break. Um, I guess it's possible that we we could have done both, but I wasn't here. So you know. Um, but we're back. We're excited. We're ready to go. It's a beautiful night here in Austin, Texas. The weather is fantastic. It's gusty. It's breezy. It's beautiful. Cover girl. It is. It's a cover girl kind of night. Um, all right. No guests tonight. It'll just be us. We've got, uh, so the turn has come back around. It's my turn to pick the topic of the night. I've got all these show notes pulled up in front of me. I'm ready to go. But first we got to talk about our drink. So Doug, tell us about one of my favorite beers that you've gotten for us today. All right, so tonight's beer is a shout-out to one of my friends in New York. Uh, it is Blue Moon Belgian White, and this one goes out to Corey. Here's to you. Here's to you, Corey. All right, so tonight's topic. We're going to have a candid discussion about determinism. Hang on, we didn't do the drinking rules. Well, we're going to do the drinking rules now. But I wanted to get out that the topic of the night was determinism because I see. it's relevant to the rules. The first rule is a famous quote from uh, Albert Einstein, God does not play at dice. However, we do. Every five minutes, I'm going to roll a dice. And the number that comes up on the top of that dice is the amount of seconds we're going to drink for. The second rule is cause and effect. If it just turns out that outside of the rules of the dice roll, it just so happens that me and Doug drink at the same time, we drink again at the same time. Them's the rules. Okay, I'm ready to begin. How about you, Doug? I'm ready. Let's let's hear what you have. All right. First thing I'm going to do is start a timer on my phone. I probably should have thought to do this beforehand, but it'll only take a second. Hey, you didn't forget it was destined. It was destined. It was fated. Boom. All right. Okay, let us talk about determinism. So determinism, according to the Stanford Encyclopedia of uh, Philosophy, is basically the world is governed by determinism if and only if, given the specific way things are at a time t, the way things go thereafter is fixed as a matter of natural law. Basically, that is that is to say that if you know all of the circumstances at any given moment, calling it the beginning moment, and you know all of the laws of the universe, and that all the laws of the universe thereby apply universally, then you should always know what's going to happen next. Uh, this is a theory that's been around for some time that has stretched back into the ancient memory of our species. It's been best and most uh, described and thought about and worked on in the 18th century. There's two fundamental parts to it. There's predictability, which is, you know, obviously, if, if you know enough, you can say a lot about what's going to happen next. But then there's the bit that people are more bothered by, which is the fixedness of events. Um, basically, they don't, a lot of people don't like the idea that determinism basically means what happens next, there's nothing you can really do about it. And by the way, that's an offshoot of determinism that's called fatalism, which is basically there's nothing we can do to change what's going to happen in the future. Now, Doug, I think it's pretty clear from the way that uh, determinism has been understood by people generally that it's like one end of a spectrum. You have determinism on one end of the spectrum for describing the universe and the things that go on within it. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like chaos, randomness, or maybe even free will. So first, where do you fall on that spectrum? How do you think the universe works? So the first thing I, I'd like to say is that I think free will is not on that spectrum. Okay. Because I think free will is a state of mind. Like whether there's determinism or not, we think we have free will, therefore we have it. Uh, we think we have free will, therefore we have it. So is this like a for all intents and purposes kind of thing? Essentially, yeah. Um, for all intents and purposes, like regardless of uh, 
where where determinism falls. Um, when we make a decision, we make a decision, and like maybe maybe that decision was set, and maybe it wasn't. But free will is the process of making the decision. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that, um, and we're going to really get into that particular part of it later on. Uh, we're going to circle back around to free will. But I think that what would bother most people, not me necessarily, but what would bother most people about what you just said is that only in some circumstances under your thinking is free will really free. Because if it's, if there's determinism, then surely even though you think you're making a choice, you feel like you're making a choice, it's really being made for you. And therefore, it's not really free will. It's more like an illusion. Well, I wouldn't go that far because, um, shoot, I was about to say a Shakespeare thing, but I forgot the reference. Oh, that's a shame. But um, if, what's the what's play? Ooh, here we go. Um, in The Lion King, right? The who Lion kills, King, okay. Who kills Mufasa? Um, Scar? Is it Scar or is it the writer? Okay. It's both. No, that's fair. Yeah, that, because that's fair. Scar, Scar does it and the writer does it. But I guess, I, I think the thing about fiction is that it's all about, okay, so what you're talking about is the same suspension of disbelief that might apply to fiction, you should apply to everything. Because assigning characteristics or responsibility or even fault to certain people is really just a uh, reasonable stand-in for the actual uh, determination you're making that is... It's not really them. Well, no, because here's the here's the thing about determinism is that even if it exists, we're still agents of determinism. Like we still determinism does nothing on its own. We still do the things. Yeah, I mean we do, but I think that the determinism fundamentally is is the understanding that we don't do these things sort of out of out of a the pure power of our individuality. We do them for me, determinism has always meant everything has a cause and everything has an effect. So every action you take has a, um, sorry, my phone's blowing up right now. We got to take our first, we got to do our first dice roll here. So excuse us just a moment and I will th finish my thought right after this. Are you ready? Sure. Five. All right. Okay. I think generally, to me, determinism has been more about the understanding that everything has a cause, everything has an effect, which means that when you do bad things or you make poor choices or someone else does something that you think you should hold them responsible for, a real determinist would kind of have to step back and say, but is it really their fault or is it more of the complex interactions of things in the world and the universe and the natural laws that caused them to do what they did? So who are we really punishing here? Well, here's, I, I don't like to detach the two. Okay. Because like my answer to the and, uh, question of the Lion King is that they both do. Um, because inside the story, uh, Scar kills Mufasa, and I really kind of hate that that's the first thing I thought of. I was going to say who killed Hamlet, but I actually haven't read Hamlet. Um. So then I thought of The Lion King. I need to know this because of my Danish heritage. Uh, Hamlet? <sighs> I thought Hamlet killed himself? He considered it, I know that. I thought he might have, because my memory is at the very end of the story, everyone's kind of like, well, he's dead. That solves a lot of problems. And I, I can't remember them actually attributing anyone to be blamed for that. Then, which is kind of funny. Wait, was the Lion King Macbeth then? Or? I think the Lion King was more Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, mm, see, because that was the one I... Yeah, to... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> say that. Yeah, I let's let's sure. stop talking about let's, Shakespeare. This is beyond our collective expertise. Oh man, we're gonna be so embarrassed on this one. Yeah, Jessica's gonna kill me. So, okay, let let's leave free will for just a moment. I, I think mm -hmm. that it, it's good to set up some other things first. So, leaving free will off of the plate for a second, 
where are you would you say on the spectrum between the world is governed by determinism or the universe is governed by more what we would describe as chaos and randomness um I'm going to go with the Isaac Asimov answer of insignificant data for um, relevant answer. Aha. Okay. All right. See, the thing is for me that there is a lot of data swarming around. Um, and I think if you categorize it in this, in this different... Was it sorry? insufficient data for... I think, I think it's, it's insufficient data. People, people I, who've read it know what I mean. Yeah. People who haven't read it wouldn't know anyways. Well, it's like the robotic response of basically saying, I can't answer that question because I don't, you I don't know enough. enough information. Yeah. yeah. So, no, and I hear you. I, I just, uh, I think that there is a lot of data that swarms around. And if you sort of put it into different buckets, I think you slowly start to see this pattern emerging about human understanding of reality over centuries. So... It strikes me that the less we understand about a subject, the more randomness seeps into our theories about it, versus the better we understand it, the more deterministic it is. For example, um, the original calibration of the universe, the, the, the spheres beyond our planet, people, when they tracked planets and bodies in the sky, they would represent them as doing little loop-de-loops and going back and forth sometimes or whatever. We, we talked about this on a yes. previous show. And I think anybody looking at that, if you try to describe what's going on, you would be very tempted to say, the universe is just chaotic and, and we can try to describe what's going on. But a lot of the time, you know, these patterns are just, they just look like a mess. But then we discovered that, no, it's not that there's a mess in gravitational movement. It's that we didn't understand what was going on. And once we properly placed ourselves in our universe, suddenly everything made beautiful sense, you know, Things are, are happening in relatively nice oval orbits, and they're very regular, and they repeat over and over again. And I think you see this all over the place. I mean, once upon a time, we describe the seasons and the weather and uh, crop growth <laughs> patterns by saying that the gods are either happy or angry. That's the most chaotic and random thing you can imagine, right? But now we know that there are much more intricate subtle processes that work but when we know enough about them we can describe them with an excellent degree of predictability um so the only category where that fails is quantum mechanics unless you can think of another one um i mean i'm not up to date on uh determinism frankly well i mean it, it's not about like whether or not you're up to date on the subject. I'm just asking you personally, like what would be. So, so you've already described that, that you kind of feel like, well, you don't really know, but sort of, are you just saying that as a, on the basis of, I don't know what I don't know. Or are you well, saying that? I, I feel like you're asking me to point out something that's true randomness, but I don't think we know enough about the world to know if something's truly random or if something's, uh, just beyond our current understanding. All right, we've got another dice roll. And it came up a six. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think All that right. averaged out. Yeah, that averaged out pretty good, I think. So, um, okay. No, okay, I, I don't mean to, like... Uh, put you on the spot and say like oh give me an right. example that, that's not what i'm I, I just mean like when you say you know there's there's not enough to really uh know but surely everyone has a pretty lay person understanding of scientific theories and and what we know about different areas of the natural laws of the universe and i gotta tell you in in that context i only I can only imagine. I can only think of quantum mechanics as being the place where there's any probability involved. In most cases, we basically say if if you have enough information, you mm -hmm. can predict the outcome. Right. Right. So, isn't determinism just based on how much information? I mean, doesn't that seem to scream that in fact it is deterministic? See, the thing is, I think that falls into the same fallacy as saying that it's completely random. Um, okay. You know, in one case, you're saying, we don't know how this works, so it's random. And then the other case, you're saying, we don't know how it works, but it's determinist. 
but I guess, I mean, what would be, do you think that there would be a valid test to determine whether or not something is deterministic or uh, random? I'm, let's see, valid test for that. Uh, let me see if I can come up with one. Um, I mean, I guess the classical way is just do an experiment. Okay. Like in the complete scientific method way and, you know, re- take the data and if it's all the same. Um, and, and some things are deterministic in a sense. Like if you flip a coin, you either get heads or tails. Right. Or it lands on its side. Well, <laughs> to the extent that it will do that. Yeah. But... I guess I, I, I'm glad you brought up this flipping a coin example because the thing about flipping a coin is you can say the result is random, but we know that isn't really true because what's really true is if you could control everything from yeah the, the amount of power you put into it, to the, the angle, the on. air, everything, mm-hmm. you would know every single time. It's not really random. The only yeah. randomness is in the factors we can't control slash don't understand right and right? if yeah and if there's a golfer you know when they hit the ball it doesn't go a professional golfer not me um <laughs> when they hit the ball you know they can they're hitting it to a certain location yeah. when i hit the ball i could say oh <laughs> this is a, a random yeah occurrence where the ball goes yeah it doesn't look like how i play golf that's for sure although i actually have a very predictable bad slice i think it's a slice it might be a Does fade. it go to the right? It, it's when it goes up in the air straight uh-huh. and then just falls right. As, like, as soon as it's up at its peak, it just starts sprinting right. I mean, I think it's a slice. I don't know. Jack's not here. He's a golf expert. We gotta have Jack on the show at some point, man. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I think... Something tells me it's a... I think there's a slice and a hook. Mm-hmm. And that's a hook what happens when it goes up. slice goes right. So that's because, what happens when it goes up. Yeah, you can tell that because left is four letters, hook is four letters, slice ah, is five letters, right is five letters. That's... Yeah. That's this is a podcast about golf. This is a golf podcast, actually. Okay. But then I think it's a fade falling right and something else falling left. I, I don't know. Well, whatever. Okay. All right. Our golf podcast is over now. So, yes. but, but you know, like the thing is people who really know what they're doing, you don't see randomness in those results. What you see is carefully calculated uh, conditions that net repeatedly similar results. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what that says is the better we are at understanding something, the more deterministic the results are, which says to me, any time that we think randomness is happening is only a reflection of our ignorance of what's really going on. So if we're talking about skills, then I'll, I'll tell you um, where, where I lie on the determinism scale. Um, not as a matter of, you know, what I think is the fact, but it's my hunch. Okay. Is that, um, have you ever done improv, Chris? I, you know, I think it's probably been since early high school in like theater that I've done yeah. improv. Okay. Um, I did long form improv. Uh, long form, what's long form improv? So short form improv is stuff like whose line is it anyways, where you get a game and you know, the, there's not really a plot or anything. It's just a quick answer. Um, to a to a skit or a joke or something like that. Okay. Um, long form is essentially someone gives you you know a couple of topics. This is gonna be a murder mystery set in Florida in Mar-a-Lago. Um, <laughs> God, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, assuming there's not already. No, I'm sorry. You know what? No, I take that back. I do not wish violence or death on anybody, regardless of how much I disagree with them. Right. That so, being said, that being yeah, time, time for more, time oh, for another boy. random dice roll. Let's Here go. we go. All right, this time a six again. <laughs> Who says Are this you is sure random? This is random? I, <laughs> okay. All right. Now, and and by the way, we're gonna get into these dice rolls in a little bit because I have something to say about them too. Right, but. Tell me about... So, with long-form improv, um, you you do it with a consistent group of people. So, you work out rules. Um, for, you know, if it could be something like if I scratch my nose. Or, let's say, let's not get complicated. The uh, basic rule to improv is 
never say no, say yes and yes, or say yes and yes and. and. That, that's uh, the one I add in say no but because that's okay sometimes. Like if you really? if you really understand the rules specifically, because you're not supposed to shut down yeah um someone else's idea, but you can disagree in character while playing along with like you say you say no in character, but you say yes to what's actually happening. I see. Like playing the straight man to a crazy character. Yeah. Yeah. Because and which is super important, by the way, in improv. And comedy. Yeah, and comedy yeah. in general. Okay. Um but one thing about improv is that you have rules, you have a definite start a definite starting point. You have um you're working together to get to an ending point. But you don't know where that ending point's gonna be. And you don't know how you're going to get there, but you follow, you know, specific rules amongst each other and play it out. Right. Okay. So, so what you're describing is sort of a limited information determinism where, let me, let me, let me counter that with another thing I wanted to talk okay. about. Okay. Where certain is, things are determinist and certain things aren't. Well, and, 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 and let's talk about that because what you just described to me sounds a lot like something that people have been fascinated by for well, quite a while now. There's a movie about it, um, not about it from a mathematic perspective, but titled The Butterfly Effect. And The Butterfly Effect uh, is a reflection of chaos theory. But the interesting thing about chaos theory is chaos theory is 100% deterministic. The way that chaos theory works is when chaos theory is all about propagation of, you could call it error, you could call it variation, based upon initial conditions. So in a chaos theory experiment, you generally say, we're going to have all these complicated rules for how objects interact with each other, and we're going to start the objects in just barely different starting positions. And we know every rule that they're going to operate by. And by the end of the experiment, they always end up in this really chaotic-looking nightmare of, of shapes and movement and track lines of where they've been. But... Even though we look at that and our brain tells us that's chaotic, at the same time, the science tells us every step along the way was a completely predictable, completely uh, governed by rules we knew about step along the path to the result. The only difference between that and us knowing that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is the level of sophistication that our brains can handle in understanding the determinism. Same thing with your improv group. Well, the difference is that if an improv... Like, improv isn't meant to be deterministic in the sense. Like, you you say, you know, if we get more skilled, um, we get better at reaching a certain result. But with the point of improv is to not reach... To not be that. But improv is really just chaos theory. Because no chaos theory experiment is set up thinking to yourself, I want to reach this shape. You just put in some initial conditions, you set the rules that govern in every case, and you see what happens. The reason that's interesting to humans is that we can't do the math as easily as we can do 2 plus 2 equals 4. So you're right. I don't think that improv is meant to be predictable, but I think that at a certain level of sophistication, it it is predictable to a sufficiently knowledgeable onlooker. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Like... They would have to know a lot. Don't get me wrong. They would have to know right. everything about who you are, who all of your your teammates are. They would have to know exactly what the rules you govern yourselves by. And you know what? With humans, it is sophisticated. It is complicated. We are incredibly complicated machines. Yeah. But I think that if you knew everything you needed to know, you could probably predict what's going to happen next. In the same way that a, a program could predict the end of a chaos theory experiment, even though the researcher probably was confused about what could happen next. Humans are only so sophisticated, right? I'm going to hold that one um, specifically. I th I still think that there's the fallacy of um, we don't have enough information, but we're going to lean this one way or this other way. Like, I'm, I'm still holding on to that because that's the problem I have with determinism is that i think it's the same problem as saying that everything is uh random 
All right, well, the problem we have right now is, is we've got another dice roll. Yep. Minutes. All right, here we go. Rolling. <laughs> it's six again. Ah. And when it comes down to determinism, the determinism that people care about, which is free will, um, if you'd like yeah. to no, go that's, back that's to fine. this topic. Yeah, well, I mean... Actually, okay, let me let me look through. Well, so audience... I don't think... Here's the thing, is I don't think people oppose determinism in anything other than free will. Because I think people would like accurate weather forecasts. I think people would accurately like to know what the stock market's going to do. Um... I think, you know, I, I think the only problem we have as a society with determinism is that we like to think that we have free will. And we, if, if you fully take determinism to heart, you have the issue where you don't know, or where you aren't making your own decisions, but rather your decisions are a product of your circumstances. Okay. Completely. Well, I mean, yeah. Let, let, let's go back. I'm, I'm willing to definitely go back to uh, free will. Um, here's the thing, and this is something you brought up at the beginning of. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Those are a screw off, and I just forgot about it. Um. Okay. Let me look through my. I've got all these show notes printed up here that I was so excited to talk about. We've gotten through most of them. I'm doing this live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doug's over here improving this. Me, on the other hand, I believe that everything should follow the strict rules that I've established in my, in my yeah. collection. Of... Well, our... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about free will. Um, I want to come back to something that you suggested at the beginning of our chat that I was poking at, but I really ultimately agree with, which is free will is a lot more... Maybe you weren't suggesting this. I will suggest this. Free will is a lot more palatable in a deterministic system than it is in a random chaotic system um and i think before we have this discussion i need to set up something really briefly which is the dichotomy between determinism and true randomness so the the example of true randomness that we have is our current consensus view on quantum mechanics which is basically that these systems literally, not just that's the way that we guess they operate or the best we can do right now, that these systems literally operate by saying, I don't know, could be anything. Uh, literally, the universe doesn't even determine where an object is until you look at it. And then it just rolls a dice and things turn up heads and they turn up tails. This is what uh, Albert Einstein was that's not talking what dice about. do when you roll them. <laughs> That's not what dice do when they roll. Yeah, I know. I was mixing metaphors, and that's never a good idea, especially uh, when Doug's ready to, to check me on it. So when Albert Einstein said, God does not play at dice, what he was referring to was the consensus, which is actually, I think, the Copenhagen consensus, believe it or not, um, that the proper way to determine, or the only way to determine where electrons were around an atom were was a completely randomized you know i don't know it's likely to be in this space it might be in this space eh, we don't know you know it's, it's completely probabilistic and albert einstein said god does not play at dice you know the universe doesn't operate by throwing a dice at the wall and being like oh i guess it's in this position today and that i think is the kind of randomness that we are talking about when we when we separate randomness from uh deterministic things where it's like no <laughs> you know whatever physics formulas everyone's grown up learning it's the same answer every time you do it whenever you put in the same numbers you get the same formula you get the same answer every time quantum mechanics according to modern thought doesn't work that way i think we're wrong about that by the way i think that we just don't understand it the way we understand macro level stuff but anyway free speech free speech Free will. Here's a yeah, law student. Free speech yeah. is a future topic. Here we go. Now, now here's law students talking, and we don't know the difference. So, this is free speech. Yeah, it is free speech. So, well, actually, we have to pay to upload it. Oh, uh, we're gonna have to. Oops. We're paying for this speech. I mean, we're 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 paying to spread our speech. Yeah, we're pamphleteers. 
Well, again, <laughs> this isn't the free speech episode. Let's not get okay. We'll, we won't get there. Let's talk about free will. Now that I finally said all that, mm-hmm. what is more palatable? That your free will is a part of a complicated, difficult to understand, but ultimately coherent system of causes and effects, inputs to your upbringing, uh, inputs to your decision-making and understanding of things, and that that in itself is a part of causing effects that also follow lines that we can make sense of? Or is it better to be in a free, uh, free will universe that follows a randomness principle where any decision you make is more determined by random dice rolls. What do you think? See, between the two, obviously it's the first one. I think you'd find very few people who actually want to roll a dice to decide things simply because you don't, you know, I don't, I think that was an episode of the Big Bang Theory that Sheldon did it. Um, at which hey, I speaking, know of, speaking of rolling dice to decide things. Yeah. Come on, six. <laughs> if it's six again, I swear to God. Three. Three. Okay. All right. We finally did not get a Yes. Yeah. And, and if Sheldon does it, then obviously it's something that society doesn't do. Um, because that's <laughs> the point of that character. Okay, fair enough. So okay. so between the two, it's obviously the second one. But Oh, you mean I, the first one. Yes, thank you. The first one. Between the two, it's obviously the first one. But... I think the the problem people have with saying that de- saying that determinism has a conflict with free will is that they don't they don't see the choice like that. They see on determinism is that and I I think choice is the proper word here because when you they see when you have determinism you don't really have a choice in what you uh determine like you no, that's true. yeah you have all these inputs and then like a machine you um you process you it and things, you have yeah. an output uh whereas for um for opponents of determinism they'd say that free will means not being a machine uh so they wouldn't say like and i think that's where the conflict lies um what i think you and i both agree on is that free will is I mean this is kind of a delicate wording I mean required. we can we can we can like work on this Yeah well I was about to say free will is a process but then that's obviously what I from what I just outlined is an oxymoron Well not necessarily because it's a different type of process right I mean process from what they're saying. processes to me or something machines do Well that's true but I guess, I think what people, don't get me wrong, I imagine that a person who really believes in their own free will would be horrified by both of what I just set up. Right. That either they're a pure machine with cogs running that they can't understand, or that in fact the cogs don't even matter because at the end of the day, they're going to decide whatever a roll, a random dice thrown at the wall is going to say. Right. And, and either way is determining for them. Yeah, it's true. Neither way they do they have really free will. But right. I think that any other theory outside of those two is going to be based upon the idea that humans are not really of this universe. That, that they kind of exist as a separate entity that maybe, gets to... Maybe a theory describing it. But I'd like to point out, I guess, what, again, what I think um, free will means to opponents of determinism, which is that, say you have a choice to bet on a coin, uh, heads or tails. Okay. Right? So something something with two... Um, two options. Two options. One choice. Okay. Yeah, two, <clears throat> just two options, right? Um, people of free will would say that if you were to freeze time at that point and then look at the future, um, there could be... Like, either one would happen. Whereas... Or either one could happen. Could it's, happen. The future's indeterminable. Um, whereas determinists would say, you know, it, we could freeze time before he makes the decision, fast forward a bit, and if we know everything, we could predict which one he picked. Right. Um, 
frankly, I think that that version of free will is a mistake because what we all know is that when we when we make a decision, we do it for reasons. And if you're already going that far, then you're a determinist. But when was the last time you made a decision without a reason for the decision? Well, here's the problem is because, and this is not close to the first time I've heard this, but recently in one of my classes, we talked about the um, category one and category two parts of brain processes. Category one is the snap decision-making wherein your brain just makes the choice. Category two is the complex system by which your brain justifies the choice so that you can explain it later. So under that classification of thought patterns, you could probably argue that people are really just subject to, I don't know, whatever, right? They're really subject to dice rolls or they're really subject to the laws of the universe and your evolutionary, uh, you know, the primary brain that's been built up over millions of years of evolution, its job is to convince you that that's not what just happened. Well, I wouldn't go that far because still, like, even even if you split it up in, into the two things, first is decision-making, second is rationalization, Okay, which I, I understand them. Like, I understand that idea. You know, I pick the what type... do you understand of... about dice rolls? Because now's the time for another yeah. one. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Two. All right. You know, I picked Blue Moon tonight because, like, it didn't randomly occur to me. I picked it because I had, because I visited uh, my friend Corey last week in New York. Oh, oh, okay. So, let, let me uh, clarify. I, I don't mean that oh. literally it's a matter of you know, oh, I just up and came up. I mean, there are reasons, and obviously those reasons might be good ones. I think what's being asserted is more the idea of, well, you meeting Corey in the first place was just a, you know, uh, it could have happened, it could have not. And then, you know, hanging out with him at different times could have happened, could have not, becoming friends, all of these things were just a total matter of maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but no one could say ahead of time. And then you even deciding to pick Blue Moon is itself another random could happen, could not, no way to say, no way to but analyze. But it's based on all the random could happens that occurred before. Well, and that's why I think that the right, deterministic because, part is much more sensible. Yeah. Um, if I could move the conversation. Go for it. Uh, I know this is your topic. No, go for it. All right. I, so, I've talked about tons. Um, one thing that my philosophy professor used to talk about, um, was, and if you have cause to effect, um, reasoning, you need an ultimate cause. Okay. Like the, the, the prime mover. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are, are you, are you coming out with me with Anselm right now or? Well, I'd like to. See if you have notes or you if you're ready to talk about that. So you and I have talked before, and this is a little unfair to the listener, but we've talked before about a conversation I had with one of our mutual colleagues, uh, Sam. Oh, right, this thing. And uh so so me and another law student had a long conversation seeking the prime mover. And what we basically came up with was that Starting with the principle, which I brought up a couple of times tonight, that we are very simple-minded creatures compared to maybe what it takes to understand the full determinism I think is inherent in our universe. And Sam and I both agreed with that. And we basically said, okay, what would it take to spin out enough uh, removal from where we are to start looking for the prime movers? We decided that you have to go really far. Like up through every dimension that we've theor that scientists have theorized might exist and further. You have to get to places where the things that happen in those planes are so simple, but the interactions between them create essentially these butterfly effects that spin out into things like our existence. 
And then you have to say, it is the inability of our species to understand the progression of these laws that makes it look chaotic to us, when in fact it's all very simple to a creature of sufficient um, perception. And we kept going further and further and further and further. What we finally determined was that, in fact, if you understand the universe well enough, you recognize that nothing ever happens, that there's no such thing as change. There's no such thing as cause and effect at the end of the day, because it all cancels itself out through the fundamental laws of things just are the way they are. Now, is that super uh, vague, ridiculous, and nigh on uh, theological in nature? Yes, and I'll admit to that. But like you said at the top of the talk, there's no real way of knowing the nature of our universe. I certainly think it's very deterministic. Everything that I've thought about the universe around me feels deterministic. What do you think about that? Well, one of the things I'd like to... Um, talk about and I was about to interrupt you and then I decided not to was um, there could be the idea that we have a primary causer and he is one of those scientists running a chaos theory experiment that is to say um, we have a god but he doesn't know specifically what's going to happen um, he just sets up a, a game and some rules that the game has to follow and sees what happens when he executes it. Are you familiar with not the board game, but it's something that's been called the game of life. It, it was set yes. up. Okay, perfect. So for the listener, we're describing a very simple game that originally wasn't even a computer program. Um, but before we talk about that, it's time to roll some dice. Here we go. We got a three. Okay. The Game of Life was a program set up by maybe, a ma I think, a mathematician. It sounds like something a mathematician would do. Because it was literally, it was played out on a grid that you had to manually uh, color in and erase and color in every time the next stage of progress happened. It was a, it was a system that was eventually became a program whereby you would set up dots, really squares, to be filled in on a grid. And every square, whether it was deleted, whether it moved somewhere else, whether it stayed where it was, was governed by a system of rules that were universally applied and uh, understood by, obviously, the person playing the game. Over time, people came up with ways to set up the game's initial conditions to create effects that were really pretty stunning it looked like they were modeling life there were examples where uh you would set the game up so that it looked like a life form in the middle of the uh grid was uh ejecting polyps that would move to other parts there are more complicated systems where different parts of what looked like an organism uh send packets of things to other parts of the organism that come together create what look like smaller versions of the same organism and then move out into the grid basically dem demonstrable proof that there are there is a theoretical way in which life could have begun based on nothing more than really really basic simple rules of physics and the right starting conditions Right. And that's the way I feel like you just described how a god might operate. Might being the operative might, term might, yeah. because I do not want to specifically I'm just taking talking about this for consideration's sake. Um that being said, uh I I guess that would make the universe kind of like one of those long form improv uh shows. Or like, or like the butterfly about. effect. Yeah, or like the game of life. Um, but in that case, like you don't need someone who's smart enough to know the entire outcome. You only need someone who's smart enough to 
build the rules. No, I agree. The thing about whether the universe is inherently deterministic or not has almost nothing to do with our day-to-day lives. I mean, like you said earlier, yeah. free will looks like free will no matter what. Right. And in fact, we think we have free will and that's what matters. Sure. And, and even the butterfly theory, uh, or butterfly effect, excuse me, chaos theory, also says that things that look chaotic, in fact, might be deterministic. So it, it's sort of all just a wash of, well, it's, it's what you think of it at, at a basic term. But what I mean to say is, at a more existential level, I think it's interesting to sort of play out, you know, what does it mean for these things to be true? What does it mean to our our feelings on free will? What does it mean to our feelings on our, our self-importance as individuals? Does it add or take away anything from our conception of self? Um... Frankly speaking, I think this is one of those things that um, is ignorable. So I don't think it particularly adds anything or subtracts anything um, unless you will it to be so. Well, I mean, okay, and that's fair. But we do have to accept, I think, for, for a moment that most people, when confronted with pure determinism when told i mean there's a reason that people don't like the word fatalism right is because they don't like the idea that they don't have any impact on the world that at the end of the day what they think are their choices and decisions really doesn't matter because it could have all been predicted it's all fate right it's all it's all the fixed nature like i said at the top of events that are yet to occur so then what's the point is sort of people think like, oh, well, then I'll just sit at home, like, right? Like, what, what, ma- what does it matter? Well, and here's where, here's where I began because those people ought to understand that even if it's all determined, they're the agent of determinism. Determinism doesn't do anything by itself. So, you know, you have the Lion King, and yeah, we never got better than the Lion King, did we? Um, and yeah. Scar kills Mufasa. And the writers of The Lion King also killed uh, Mufasa. But, like, in in the context of the show itself, Scar kills Mufasa. And if Scar had a moment of realization that this was all a Disney uh, animated thing <laughs> and decided, fuck this, I'm staying in the cave, he wouldn't have killed Mufasa. If only we could all stay in the cage. However, unfortunately, we have to roll dice again. This time, we have... Six. One. Oh. All right. Um, and here's the thing. Incidentally, it's, it's really true. And the way that I have always responded to people... Because I've, I've felt like the universe uh, operates deterministically for many years. And whenever somebody has complained, whether in a philosophy class or just in conversation that that robs them of their essential individual agency. I always think, but your agency is a part of that determinism. You know, maybe you can be predicted. Maybe your actions could be known ahead of time, but they're not any less yours. You're no less a product of your... I mean, anybody who says, I am not a product of my experiences, my upbringing, the moments in my well, life... Well, what the hell are they? Exactly. I mean, yeah. then I don't even know what they're saying. And if, if they're not willing to suggest that they're a product of that, then I ask, okay, then what are you talking about? Because then it just seems like you're pulling from a void of nothingness that you just happen to have these things that just pop out of nowhere that are your reactions to situations. Well, that seems very random to me, and I don't think that's any better. Um, so I don't think there's anything, there's anything wrong with free will in a deterministic system. You just have to recognize that you are in fact a product of your life. And if you're not willing to agree with that, then I don't really know what to say to you. Right? Right. Well, how about this? You want to move into some final thoughts on this? Uh, final thoughts. Um, Lion King was okay, but Hamlet is better. Okay, I will. I will respect that um, because you're you're well. I think I can respect that because Hamlet is about a Danish character, 
The Lion King, while being Disney, I don't think was a Hans Christian Andersen tale, where a lot of Disney characters are taken from, and he was a Danish author. Yeah. But I don't think he wrote about Lion King. I'm pretty sure Lion King is Macbeth and Lions. We're going to have to look that up. I mean, that's what a lot of people have said. Um, Yeah. So here's my final thought. I think determinism is beautiful. I have always felt that among the alternatives, it is the most calming and inducing of a feeling of serenity and peace and security. Because in a deterministic universe, there's never a reason to worry about the future because it is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be. There's no reason to beat yourself up over the past because it always was going to be what it was. The only mandate for a determinist in life is to be yourself because you are going to be anyway. Just be who you're going to be. Just follow the rules because you have no choice. It's hardly even a mandate because it only tells you just live and everything else will take care of itself. And the final point is something about determinism that speaks to me on a very deep level. Life is not about forging a path. It's not about creation or destruction. It's not about changing anything. It's about discovery. It's about learning what's next for you with the realization that whatever is in front of you was always going to be that way. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the fourth episode of Sophist Symposium. We were once again glad to give you our thoughts and uh, happy to be back after a two-week break. We're going to be moving to a new uh, host for our podcast after this episode. We will be sure to let you know which one of those we're going to. But as always, thank you so much for your support, and we hope you'll continue to listen to our musings. Have a good night.